Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. We're here to talk about a topic that definitely is something that the Lord has put on our hearts and has taught us over the last several years. A couple of years ago, we actually taught when we were still at Northside, almost two years to the date, it was like July 2021, about what the Lord has been had been teaching us at that point. And today is just kind of like, wow, he's not done. He's always doing things. So let's go back and let's talk about what he's been doing in the last two years. So that's what we're here to talk about today. Um, And this is particularly special because several years ago, we got married right here on the stage. We have a little picture to show you. Same spot. (laughs) So it's fun to be back. Um, I always wanted to get married in a church, but we were going to Bridgetown at the time, and First Baptist was where we were meeting, and it wasn't like our space. Um, But we found this space, and we thought, yeah, this is beautiful, love it, and then it became our church, which is really special. Like, it's just a little kindness from the Lord of like, now it's your church. So, yeah, there's some familiar faces up there, people that we love. Um, But we're going to be talking about a topic today that is super common, both in the church, outside the church, in our families, in our friendships, in our marriages, and that is the topic of offense and getting offended, something that is super normal. Um, there's, there are books written about it. You see it in media, like, oh, yeah, it's just super normal like for someone to do something, me to feel offended. Uh, but we have found, and we believe strongly, that Jesus has so much more for us than to be people who are easily offended, that we actually can become unoffendable. Um, you'll see throughout our teaching that there will always be opportunities to be offended, uh, but Jesus is the solution so that we can turn to him in those moments. Uh, and we want to start with an example of what it looks like to be very easily offendable. Uh, this is only one of many stories that I could have chosen to share with you guys. But uh, we want to start with this one because it's actually one that we shared a couple of years ago. And a lot of you remember it and you've brought it up recently. I was like, oh, yeah, how's that thing going? It's like, oh, wow. Yeah, you really remember that. So we're going to start with that story as just kind of bring it back up to mind for those of you who were there. And those of you who weren't, you get to partake in it, too. So when we were first married, we had our first apartment. We were, you know, excited to be married, but that apartment was dingy. Like, we look back on it now, and we're so grateful to be out of it. Um, We actually had to move out because there was mold that was growing and wouldn't leave. There was mold growing on my jeans in our closet. That's how bad it was. Yeah. Just... Leather shoes, like, yeah, had to throw stuff away. It was not fun. Yeah, it was gross. <laughs> um, hence why we lived with family for, like, two and a half years, because we got out of the moldy apartment. But in that space, uh, we quickly, you know, started to figure each other out. What is it like to live together? And I started to notice that this space in between, like, Austin's side of the bed and the wall would just slowly start to, like, accumulate a lot of stuff. And it would be, like, books, notebooks, socks, just things. And I am definitely, like, type A neat freak. It's something that the Lord has definitely been working on in my life for my whole life, but still is. Um, But that was something that really, really bugged me. Like, I noticed it all the time. And when I talked to Austin about it, he was like, oh, well, let's just call it the event horizon. And that's the part that a lot of you guys remember is that phrase, the event horizon. And that is the edge of a black hole past which you can't see anything because there's no more light. And so the idea was just don't look past the side of the bed. And it's like it's not there. Like you can't see it. 
it didn't work. Um, it just like progressively got worse and worse and worse. And we did spend COVID quarantine in this tiny apartment. And I remember one day like going in the room, vacuuming, you know, trying to like keep things tidy. And there's just, you know, stuff that's blocking the vacuum. And I just got mad, like small problem, huge emotional response. And like kind of what Chris was saying earlier, like it was definitely like poking at some stuff, but that was the thing that like brought it out. Um, and just like taking the vacuum and just like ramming it into the stuff, just like so mad. And I'm crying and just frustrated and then also frustrated that I'm frustrated. Like, why is this bothering me so much? Um, and so that is an example of what it looks like to be offendable. It was a small thing. He did nothing on purpose, but I took it so personally. And in those moments, it was the thoughts that led to offense of Austin doesn't care about our home. You know, just spiraling ideas about him that were not truthful, they were lies, but it was those things that I was allowing myself to believe and really ruminate on that started to grow and create this sense of offense. Um, and that is the problem. That is what we're here to talk about today. Um, and I wanted to share the story because this could be seen as a really like normal thing. Hopefully you haven't rammed your vacuum into your spouse's things, or your roommate's things. If you have, learn from me, don't do it. Um, but that kind of idea of like, one person does something, the other person gets offended, maybe they don't talk about it and it just grows. It's just a common theme. We even were watching a show this week as we were preparing for this and there was a scene between a married couple of like, husband does or doesn't do something, wife gets upset, gets quiet, you can tell she's just simmering, husband doesn't know what's going on. Um, and it was, like, was comical, because it was like, oh yeah, we've been there. And it's like, wait, but no, it doesn't have to be that way. And Jesus has taught us in the last couple of years especially how to overcome that. Um, and so that's what we want to share today. Yeah. The moral of all of our teachings are that my messiness is the source of most of my wife's pain. So <laughs> if you were here two years ago, it was the same thing. My parents and several roommates from the pastor in this room, they've also felt yeah. it. It's not just Sorry. you. Yeah. Well, we're still married, so it's proof that compatibility isn't the only thing that matters. So. Um, so I think a helpful place to go from here is just to kind of define what offense actually is. Um, I think we kind of have a general sense, but there's a couple of scriptures that I think kind of just help kind of bring that to life for us. Um, and the first one is in Luke 17.1, and this is Jesus who's speaking, and it the verse goes, um, then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. And there's two things I want to highlight here. First, um, it's impossible that no offenses would come. So there's going to be ample opportunity to be offended. Um, if you've been married for more than a week, if you go to Fred Meyers, if you drive a car, there will be plenty of opportunities to be upset with people. Like, that, that's just, that's a given. Um, but the second part is what that word offenses actually means here. And it's been translated as, like, temptations or ways to stumble. Um, but in John Bevere's book, The Bait of Satan, which the title is actually based off of this verse, um, I'm going to read a quote from him where he kind of breaks down what this word actually means. And he says, uh, the Greek word for offend in Luke 17.1 comes from the word scandalon. And this word originally referred to the part of the trap to which the bait was attached. Hence, the word signifies laying a trap in someone's way. In the New Testament, it is often described as an entrapment used by the enemy. So what is a offense? Offense is a trap. Um, it is something that happens when someone does something or says something. I have a choice to step into that trap or not. It is a choice. I can walk into it or not. But it is a trap that is set. 
Um, typically, by what someone does or says to us, that opens us up, and we can walk in, or we cannot. Um, so I think a good way to wrap your head around offense in a one-word sentence is, offense is when I choose to respond to someone else's behavior with thoughts, feelings, or actions that are actually rooted in unforgiveness. Um, you, can't be un you can't forgive someone and be offended at the same time, so they're very closely correlated. So I think it's when we respond from this place of holding on to something a little bit, we're a little bit unforgiving, that's where offense comes into play. Um, so what does this look like practically? Um, we've all been offended, I believe, and we've all seen people that have been offended, but there's a great scripture that kind of gives a nice picture for it, and it's Proverbs 18, 19. It says, a brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. Um, the imagery here, I think, it's just helpful, is really a strong city, like a city with a big wall around it. It's like ready for battle, it's protected, it's fortified. And what this makes me think of is really what happens when we get offended. The first thing we do is we put up a relational wall. A wall goes up. Um, and we create this wall because we've decided that um, that other person is now going to lose access to me because of something you did or said. We're going to put up a wall and there's going to be a barrier there. It's really just a state of self-preservation because that person has now become your enemy and you feel like a city under siege. You feel attacked. So you put up a wall and you put up a barrier. But the issue with that is it severs connection. Um, closeness in relationship when you're offended just is not possible. If I've ever been offended with Brianna, which yes, has definitely happened, I am not in the mood to cuddle up and like watch a movie. Like I don't want to have like a deep loving conversation in that state. No, I'm, I just want to go to bed. Um, I don't have a draw, desire to draw near to her and she, I don't want her to draw near to me. Um, and I think if we're all honest, um, oftentimes these walls that we put up in our lives against people is really just undealt with offense. That's just been kind of sitting there and we haven't dealt with it. Um, we've decided it's safer uh, to keep people at distance than risk being hurt or even letting down our pride. So I think that's where a lot of that comes from. Um, but the other aspect of offense we see in that scripture is that it's also unyielding. We create a wall, but that wall, it's unyielding. Um, you're really unmovable in how you feel. We've all felt this where we just get this stubbornness and we're just set in our ways. Um, but sadly, when we're, we're in that place, we think we're feeling powerful and like protecting ourselves, but the reality is your offense is controlling you. Um, I think we... Um, think that it's this really like a choice that we're making, but really we're actually in bondage at that point. Um, freedom is not the right to respond however you feel. That really is bondage. Um, as we discussed earlier, offense by definition is a trap. You can't be in a trap and be free at the same time. That, that doesn't work. Um, so it really is a state of bondage. Um, and at the core of all this, um, I think really what being offended is, is you're just you're being a victim. Um, that's what being offended really is. Um, we're blaming other people for us, how we feel and act, and we're feeling miserable, and we're not taking response or responsibility for how we respond. Um, victims refuse to take control of their own behavior, their own thoughts. Someone else is doing it, so I'm justified in acting this way. That is the definition of a victim. They are controlling you. Um, and what this does in relationship, when you're acting like a victim, because it's always the other person's fault, is what you really create is what I, I like to call a relational debt. Um, in your mind, there's something that they have to do to come back into your good graces in order for you to let down your wall. They have to do something to make it up because it's their fault that I'm feeling this way. Um, I'm offended because of you, so you have to fix it. And I have a great story highlighting how I did this to Brianna um, early in dating. So um, I don't remember the context, and she thinks she said it to me in person. I think it was over a text. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> She said something at one point to the tune of, as the guy, I get the honor and the privilege 
of pursuing and serving her. Which, as a married husband, I completely agree with. I, that is an actually, me laying my life down for her is an amazing honor. Like, that is one of the greatest. I get to be like Jesus in that way. That's amazing. But early in dating, I was not ready to receive that truth whatsoever. Um, not truth, a good move on my part either. It's, okay. it's all right. We've worked through it. Still have to, I still I'm have pretty to. sure it made it into our vows. It might have. I probably, like, wrote out, yes, I do. I will serve you. I promise. Um, <laughs> But how I was feeling in that moment was I felt used, honestly. Like, that's, I was offended. I was offended. I was like, I, so my entire purpose in life is just to, like, do stuff for you. And, like, this is a relationship. It's a two-way thing. I was super offended. Um, and you could argue in that moment, like, maybe Brianna shouldn't have said that. Or maybe my response was totally wrong, which I, I will fall on that sword. But um, the point about that is that it doesn't matter if I or she was right. Being offended is wrong, even if you're right. That's not the point. Um, so this all came to a head one day when we decided to take a day trip to Seattle. Um, I picked her up. You know, we drove up the five. It was a nice day. We had breakfast. We kayaked on Lake Union. It was beautiful. You know, we had a nice seafood dinner. It was expensive. <laughs> and I paid for most of it um, and the gas to get there. And I was in college, so I was feeling super justified about, well, I don't have any money. Um, but the reality was that entire day was tainted for me a little bit because I was still offended. I felt used the whole day because I was like, I'm only here to serve Brianna. That's all she wants from me. And the reality was internally, I wasn't necessarily acting this way. I'm pretty internal and in I don't really show my emotions, but I was seething inside. And I guarantee you I was treating her differently. I was sinning against her, truthfully, in my mind and in my actions because I was offended. Um, because I wasn't actually releasing her from something that I, was hurtful to me or dealing with it. And eventually I did, I brought it up, we talked about it, we worked through it. Um, but for a long time I had this relational debt internally. I was like, she needs to do something to make up for what she did to me. And it caused me to sin against her. I was not loving her as I should. And for me, this is a pretty common theme. Um, I'm kind of an internal processor, processor and I, I don't have a lot of external shows of how I'm feeling, but Brianna will ask me to do something or you know, wash the dishes, or let's go on a walk, or go to the grocery store, or something. And in the past, I would, I would be like, ugh. And I would get offended. I'd feel used. Um, and I would shut down, I would turn a cold shoulder, and I, and I honestly just wouldn't deal with it. Um, and it would slowly just kind of eat away at me, and I would treat her differently, um, truthfully. Um, but since then, I've learned that I have to deal with those feelings of pride and selfishness, um, and choose to love my life, love my wife. Um, and put her needs over my own, and I have to take responsibility for my feelings in order for offense not to live there. Like, I have to do something. I have to own it. I can't be a victim anymore, because um, I can't tolerate offense in my life anymore, because it severs connection. It ruins marriages. Um, and this is the great lie of offense, that we have a right to withhold love and forgiveness when you don't act the way that I want you to. Um, we put self-preservation above everything else, um, when the reality is God said, I forgave you, now you forgive. Go love your enemies. Um, I forgave a big debt, now you forgive theirs, um, without exception. Um, and we all know this, but culture is so offended right now. Everyone is a victim. No one is offering forgiveness, guys. This is an opportunity for us as a church to become a light in this area. The world wants this so badly, but they don't know how to give it away, and we have the source. Um, and we have the power to kind of be a light in this way. That, that is an attractive church to people, a church that's not offended and just ready to love uh, unconditionally.
Yeah, so we're going to talk about the solution. Like, what do we do about it? Um, and obviously, the stories that we're sharing come from our marriage. We're married. This is where we've seen this really take off. Uh, but it applies to everything. Friendships, family relationships, church relationships, strangers. This isn't just a marriage topic. Um, so I hope that as you're listening to these stories, you're also thinking about, like, oh, where has this shown up in my life? Or where do I want to see freedom from this? Because it really does affect every human interaction that we have. Um, and when you think about kind of the choice that's on offer, we have the choice to have a lifetime of being offended. That every little thing, every person who cuts us off in traffic, offense. Versus choosing to have those opportunities be a chance to forgive and to have grace for the other. Um, that's a huge difference when you think about it on a lifetime scale. When I am 90, I want to look back and be able to say, oh, like I lived a life of being unoffendable rather than, oof, I lived a life of offense. So that's really what's on offer today is that choice. That's huge. It's a really big difference, and it totally impacts the message that we have for the world. Um, and the message is that Jesus is that solution, that we can actually respond differently because we have him and because he responded very differently than what we see in the world. Um, and there's a couple of uh, verses in Proverbs that I've always loved because they do talk about offense, and that is such like a normal day-to-day -day topic that we just hear about. It's normal in our culture. And so to see like, oh, what does the Bible actually say about this is always the best place to go when we're looking for truth. Um, so the first one is Proverbs 19.11. I did bring my Bible for a couple of these. This is my um, Multnomah Bible for all of the Multnomah alumni in this room. I've never used it. <laughs> it was like a keepsake that they gave at graduation. It's just like too pretty, but I wanted an ESV, so I grabbed it. Uh, so Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. And Mariah actually posted this on her Instagram like a couple weeks ago. We were messaging about it like, man, that's huge. When you think about that, we have the option to overlook an offense. Like if we have that choice... Jesus is the one who makes that possible. Imagine, like, what he's capable of. Um, and then also just this first part, that good sense makes one slow to anger. As you saw in the story that I shared at the beginning, I was not slow to anger. That was the thing that, like, got me. Um, so when I see verses like this in Scripture, it's like, oh, I don't have to be quick to anger. I can be slow to anger. Jesus, show me how. Um, so that's one of the verses that I wanted to share. And then Proverbs 17 Verse 9 says, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. So again, we see covers an offense. It's a choice. We have the option to cover that offense. And then the he who repeats a matter, um, in other translations, I think it's the NLT, translates it, um, he who dwells, dwelling on it, separates close friends. So that's where our thoughts really come to mind, that we have the choice on whether or not we're going to dwell on the thing that was offensive or if we're going to change our thinking and think about something else, think differently, think in line with Christ. Um, so, for example, in that story when I was upset about the mess, clearly I was dwelling on it. I allowed myself to really ruminate on those thoughts and to have lies that I was choosing to believe and that just made the anger kind of fuel inside me. It justified how I was feeling. Um, and what I've found in recent years is that that like moment of, ooh, am I going to think about that or am I going to think about something else? That's the key. And that's where the Lord is teaching me to be quick to stop and to look to him to define my thoughts in those moments. Sometimes 
I am frustrated and I need to just get it out to the Lord. But that's the difference. I'm not going to Austin and just spewing all of these like offensive thoughts on him. That's not helpful. I can go to the Lord, tell him, this is how I'm feeling. This is what happened. This is what I think about it. But then the key is stop, listen to the Holy Spirit then and ask him, okay, what do you say? And that's where he starts to redefine what he wants me to know about myself, wants, what he wants me to know about Austin. And then the most important is, what did Jesus do about it? Because when I look to Jesus and I see him and I see the way that he responded to very offensive situations, it totally softens my heart to whatever it is that I'm feeling upset about. And it just changes the trajectory of that interaction. Um, when I think about Philippians 4, 8, you know, it talks about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right. Those are the things that we're invited to think about. So when it's the Holy Spirit that's dwelling in us instead of these offensive thoughts, those are the kinds of thoughts that we can have towards the other person. And if you have the Holy Spirit, you have that available to you. Um, and it's only because of Jesus that we can access that kind of thinking. So he died to make that possible. That's a huge price that he paid. That's not like a casual thing that it's like, oh yeah, Christians, like you can think about what's true and noble if you want. It's like, no, he paid a high price to make that attainable to us. So let's use it. Let's depend on him to make that real for us. Um, and I want to share another example that kind of like contrasts with the Event Horizon story. I love to share that one because for me, that's really an example of like, oh, that is what I once was. That was real. Those were moments when I felt this like anger that would overcome me that I just felt trapped by and stuck. And so I share that one because it's really like highlights how I was feeling in those years. Um, but then I want to share a story that's a little bit more recent to show and kind of illustrate what God is doing and what he is, has on offer for all of us. Um, so at the beginning of this year, we finally got back into our own apartment again. We'd been living with family for over two years. Um, and as we were moving into that space, Austin started reading a book on Sabbath. And there was this idea that was mentioned in the book about doing like uh, family chores on like one day a week, everyone just does it together, and then it's done. You get to move into the weekend, move into your Sabbath with all of that stuff taken care of. Love it. If I don't schedule it, it doesn't happen. So yeah, I don't clean. And then I'm like, okay, when are you going to do it? So this was a great choice for us. Uh, but it took some like getting used to. And at the beginning, I definitely found myself feeling like, hmm, we're not completely on the same page. Like I love to like, get in there with a toothbrush. But like, does he love to do that? No, not as much. <laughs> Although you did ask for a toothbrush recently for something to clean. So that's cool. Um, <laughs> it was camping gear. It had nothing to do with the house. <laughs> Still got to keep it clean, though. <laughs> get the dirt out. Um, but I could remember, like, feeling, starting to feel frustrated. Like, hmm, I feel like Austin's not as, like, invested in this as I am. Now I know he's totally doing it for me. Like, it's an absolutely an act of love that he's doing these chores for me. So thank you. Um, but I started to express that frustration verbally. I started to get a little bit upset. Like, you're not in this with me. You're not taking this seriously. And in the middle of that conversation, I heard the Holy Spirit say, stop. And I did. And I kind of had this, like, moment of, like, Yes. <laughs> and in that moment, just took a second, didn't take long, but just to look at Jesus and just to kind of really make eye contact with him. And when you see the softness and the love in Jesus's eyes, it changes how you feel and you can't be mad at the other person anymore. And I felt just my heart soften and be like, oh, yeah, that's not how I want to talk to my husband. That's not how I want to treat him. I want to treat him the way that Jesus treats me. And I remember just like, hugging him. Like I had this tenderness that wasn't there before. 
And then the result was we got to talk about it and talk about, okay, what am I actually feeling? Where is this coming from? What could we do to make it better? Like, what's the solution? And it was way more productive than if I had just, like, continued on in my frustration and not taken that second to look to Jesus. Um, And recently, I was reading the book of James, and in James uh, chapter 1, verse 19, this is a verse that probably a lot of us know, but the second portion, verse 20, really stood out to me. It says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So there's that slow to anger piece again that we saw in Proverbs, and this idea of, oh, my, my personal anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So just because my response to Austin's actions was anger doesn't mean that I was right. And that can actually be redeemed by Jesus. And I've seen that happen where I used to be so quick to respond to anger. I don't anymore. And that's all him. And that makes marriage so much more fun. It makes friendship so much more fun. And as we prepare to become parents, it takes away any fear that I have of, ooh, am I going to treat her that way? No, Jesus is redeeming that part of me. I don't have to fear it. It doesn't have to control me. There's actually another choice. Um, and really, what it comes down to is that decision in the moment. Am I going to dwell on the offense? Am I going to let this grow? Or am I going to choose to look at Jesus and let him define how I'm thinking about the situation and about the other person? So good. Renewing your mind is amazing. It's so fun. <laughs> It makes life so much easier. Um, Brianna kind of alluded to this um, a little bit um, about, she said she looked at Jesus uh, and like that was her solution. So we want to unpack that a little more, um, what that actually can look like and what that really means. And for me, the scripture that's been probably the most helpful, and I honestly think it's like a blueprint for how to overcome offense and honestly a lot of things in life, uh, is in Hebrews. And it's Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. I'm going to read it here. It says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the, sh- for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There are two things in here I want to highlight. First, what are we supposed to do? Fix our eyes on Jesus and consider him. That's kind of the command here. And why is that so important? What do we do do this for? Um, Why is it so important to do in the face of offense and being hurt? Why do we have to fix our eyes on Jesus and consider him? The reason is um, when we look at who he was and how he conducted himself, we actually see the exact life that you and I are supposed to live, and we see the exact response that we're supposed to have in the face of offense. Um, That is the standard. He endured the mocking. He took on the shame of the cross. He faced incredible opposition. He was despised. He was abandoned by people that were his best friends, and yet he never once acted out in offense, not one time. In 1 Peter 2, 23, it says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. It's amazing. And guys, he did this even though he was right. Think about that. Jesus was, could be completely justified to talk back. He would have been completely justified to retaliate. The reality is he would have been completely justified to have angels come down and 
remove all of them onto the next life. Um, that would have been justified. He was God. He did nothing wrong. He was completely justified. And yet, he chose to lay down his right to be right for our sake. Um, and this is one of the main things we can learn from Jesus, that we have to let this go. We cannot justify our feelings and behavior, um, and we need feeling right and justified um, when the one who could have actually done that correctly laid it down for our sake. He said no. Um, we don't see Jesus putting up this relational wall, having this unyielding, stubborn spirit when he's hanging on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. That's not what he's doing there. Um, he freely offers love when the world was hating him and wanting nothing to do with him. This is the only way you and I cannot grow weary and lose heart and become offended like the rest of the world is considering him and fixing our eyes on him. Our feelings of offense must be held up against the cross so that we see how he would respond and then we ask and believe for the power to respond how he would respond. I'm gonna say that again. Our feelings of offense must be held up against the cross so we can see how he would respond, and then we ask and believe for the power to respond how he would have responded. That is how we overcome. That's, that's the solution. Um, that's how offense can be eliminated from our lives. In 2 Peter 1, 3-4, it says that his divine power has been given, given to us, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption, having escaped the offenses in the, in the world caused by evil desires. This divine power is fully available to you guys by grace through faith. Um, this is the life that's available. This godly life that's um, talked about here is available. Um, you can live unoffended just like Jesus. Yeah? Amen? Okay. Um, so real quick, though, I do want to just say this. Uh, I think this is important to mention. Jesus is calling us to trust him in this process um, and to walk, kind of work out our salvation in this area. Brianna and I did not get married, and we're just like, we're unoffendable now. No, like it took years, um, and there were seasons for both of us where it felt really hard and unproductive, and like, I don't feel unoffended. I feel very offended. And the reality is God's just asking us to trust that he'll do it. Um, that his power is greater. He, greater is he who's in the world. Um, greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. Um, he's just saying, trust me. And the reality is he is much more passionate about you becoming like him than you are about becoming like him. He, he is for you, not against you. Um, so just trust him in this process. And we want to practice um, this now with you guys. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to read a passage that shows what Jesus actually underwent and did not act out in offense. Um, we're going to practice fixing our eyes on Jesus. We're going to practice considering him. Um, God gave us an imagination for a reason. So as we read this, um, what I want you to do is just kind of close your eyes and picture the scene. I want you to, like, picture Jesus' face. I want you to, what was his facial expression like? What, what were the, those around him doing and saying? What was he thinking about? really let your imagination just kind of go and just, Holy Spirit, we just invite you now to just fill up our imagination and reveal Jesus to us. Um, so go ahead and just close your eyes. Brandon's going to read this verse over you and just think about what he went through, how he responded, and just let God just speak to you. Yeah. This is from Matthew 27, verses 27 through 31. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him 
and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. They knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him, and they took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe, put his own clothes on him, and then they led him away to crucify him. Let's go ahead and sit in that for just a minute. To have the strength to endure something like that um, without offense, it really only comes from one place, and that is being 100% secure in God's love. Um, Jesus did not question it and did not doubt it that day, and so he was able to walk through that um, without backing down and being offended and, and speaking out. He, he says that he trusted him who was judges justly. And I think for us, uh, we often get offended because we aren't 100% secure in God's love for us. Um, our identity is not fully built on that. Um, and I think people can come by and say and do things that hurt our pride um, because we've built this life on things other than his love. It could be like our looks, our money, our status, our kids, our job, our whatever. Um, we build kind of the house of our life on sand and someone comes by and does something and says something to us and like a wave, it just washes out the foundation because we built it on other things. When God says, um, build your house on the rock, on the firm foundation, so then people come along and do and say things to us, we can respond like Jesus and no storm can shake our home. We will be steady. We will act just like him. Um, so I think um, something we want to do now, I think it might be a good time for maybe the worship team to come up. Um, but we're not quite finished. Um, what we want to do now is go back to that place you were just at. I want you to bring that image back up into mind. Guys, he endured that for one reason, and it's you. Um, you want to know what he was thinking about when he was being hit on the head with a crown of thorns? He was thinking about you. For the joy set before him, he endured this. You are the joy. Um, if you want to understand his love for you, that's the place. So we're just going to take time. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit. Like, I, I don't really have a plan from here. It's just that like we're just going to wait and listen. I really believe he wants to show you um, how much he actually loves you, and that can be your foundation um, from here on out to walk unoffended. So, God, um, Holy Spirit, we just invite you now. Um, bring back to mind that picture of what you endured for us. And show us what you say about us, God. Show us what that actually meant, Lord. Show us your face, the love in your eyes as you were bleeding um, for us, God. You were, you were thinking about us. You were thinking about me. Um, Holy Spirit, just, just speak. We just invite you.
like the Lord's saying, um, just some people here, um, the point of the Christian life is not to do all the right things. It's to understand his love for you on the cross and let that, and let that just change your behavior from the inside out. Saying, this is not, a, this is not about a, a law book to follow. This is about a relationship that started. The foundation is, is what he endured. I feel like the Lord's just saying that to someone right now. Someone needs to just hear that. I think he's also speaking just hope over us that as things come to mind that need to be like nailed to the cross with him, that's the whole point is just surrendering it to him. And that when that's done, like it is finished. He's done all of the work. And, you know, five years ago, I wouldn't have been able to come up here and talk about these stories of how he's overcome anger. He hadn't done it yet. And now I can say that I am different than I was. And it's only because he's taught me how to look to him, how to picture. I mean, I can't read that passage from Matthew without getting, like, emotional now. Um, I never felt that way before. Um, So that kind of tenderness is available. And there's so much hope that he wants to overcome. He wants to fix things. And he's done the work already. So if you're on the communion team, you guys can come on up. Um, You guys can stand with us. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.